Well, welcome to Newport Church Online. We're so glad that you could join us in your homes, wherever you are, whether it's in Orange County or other parts of the US or even in other countries of the world. We're so glad you could join us this Sunday. This Sunday is a special Sunday for us because it's actually the our 14th anniversary as a church. 14 years ago, we started our church on Sunday, 16th of July, 2006, down at 2601 PCH. And we had our very first meeting there. And uh, it's hard to believe that it's 14 years ago, but we wanna thank every single person that's been a part of our journey over those years. We appreciate all that you've done. And we wanna give a special shout out to those who were with us on that first Sunday, because there are a number who were with us that first Sunday who are with us today all these years later. And we're so thankful for you. In fact, there are some who were with us in Australia in our first meetings in Australia as we prepared to move here to the US. So we're very, very thankful for all that God has done we're thankful for you, and we're believing that in this next season that God is gonna do even more in our lives and through our lives, in our community and beyond. And I have faith that this new season, God is gonna bring something fresh and new for all of us. So thank you for the part that you have played. Uh, happy birthday, Newport Church. God sees everything that each and every one of you has done to build his kingdom to build our church because it's his church and everything that you've done as you've served, as you've given your time, your talent and your treasure, all of it is recorded in heaven and God is faithful and he will reward you for all that you have done to build his church. So we love you, appreciate you, hope you are encouraged and inspired in this service this morning. Good morning, Newport Church. We welcome you to our literal home in this space. Um, we're thankful that we can lead in worship and to worship together, even from our own home still. And we trust and believe that God's spirit is just as powerful and just the same as yesterday, today, and forever. So let's remember that. Let's be encouraged that God is with us, that we have nothing to fear in him alone. So let's go into this time of worship and remember that. Amen. Let's sing this together. Hold me now. Hold me now in the hands that created the heavens. Hide me now where your grace runs as deep as your scars. You pulled me from the clay. You set me on a Lift it up, lift it up, and my knees know it's all for your glory, that I might stand with more reasons to sing than to fear, you pulled me from the clay, you set me on a rock, you called me by your name made my heart whole again here I stand high in surrender I need you now hold my heart now and forever my soul cries out once I was but you love my whole heart through Sin has no hold on me Cause your grace holds me now And that grace Owns the ground where the grave did Where all my shame remains Left for dead in your way Crash those age-old gates 
Even the darkest days are 
take time as we continue to worship God with our donations, our tithes and our offerings to take a moment to pause and to think about what we're doing now. The Bible says that everyone give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. And it's so important that we are purposeful in all that we give. We're very thankful and we want to thank you for your faithfulness at this time in your giving. Of course, even though we aren't able to meet in our building, we still have responsibilities. We still have costs and overheads that we have to negotiate and navigate. And, and of course, your giving makes that possible. We're very hopeful that we're gonna be able to meet together soon and gather in the building, but your giving is every bit as important now uh, as it ever has been. And so we're thankful for that. As we take a moment to give. I just want to highlight a couple of things. First of all, the Bible speaks about three kinds of offerings. The first is a donation. That is a gift that may be one time or, or a regular gift um, that we give to God. And of course, as we bring it into God's house, God makes it clear we're giving it to Him for the administration of His purpose and all that He wants to do through the church on earth. And so we have a responsibility to administer that with wisdom. The second kind of giving is tithes, which is one tenth of, or the first tenth of everything that comes into our lives. And of course, in the Old Testament, this was a part of the law, uh, that one tenth of all that came into our lives should be tithed to the house of God. And the Word of God says that if we bring our tithe into the storehouse, God will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, He won't be able to contain it. And so we honor God by putting Him first, by giving Him the first 10% of everything that comes into our lives. And God says, if we give Him the first 10%, the 90% that is left will always go further than the 100% if we keep it to ourselves. It's a spiritual principle that has been tried and tested over millenniums. And over and over again, God proves himself uh, to be faithful in that. 
And then of course, the last is our offerings. Offerings are what we give in the Bible. Offerings are over and above our tithes and they are spe for specific purposes, like our vision offering that we give on the first Sunday of every month. And many of you have made commitments to that vision offering. And so we're thankful for that as we continue to, to fulfill the things that God has put on our heart as a church to be able to do not just here, but overseas. And so I wanna encourage you as you take a moment to prepare to give, to, to think about and purpose in your heart what you ought to do. Maybe you've been giving donations and you wanna take the next step and start to tithe. Or maybe you've been tithing and you're praying about taking the next step to give offerings over and above your tithes. Well, whatever you do, God says that uh, he that sows generously will also reap generously. And I wanna take a moment to talk a little bit about tithes because we have one of these cards that um, we have talked about on previous occasions, and it basically just says, give God 90 days. What does that mean? Well, in the book of Malachi, it's the only place in the Bible where God says, try me now in this, test me, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, you won't be able to contain it. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me and try me. And so this card, you can download it off the screen. This card is basically a giving God, I'm gonna give God, I'm gonna try God for 90 days by giving the first 10th of everything that comes into my life uh, and, and bringing it into the storehouse. And by giving my tithe, I'm believing the 90% is gonna go further than the 100%. And I love this card because there's a picture of a surfer. I love surfing, but there's a picture of a surfer about to catch a wave. And I think it, it describes very powerfully what happens when we tithe. Anyone that surfed knows that in order to get movement, you have to paddle. When we're paddling, we're paddling under our own steam. And that's a little bit like what we do with our finances. We work. The Bible says we work by the sweat of our brow. We work and we save and we are faithful with our finances. But there's a supernatural dimension to finance that God promises in the Word. For example, when we tithe, we release a spiritual principle that in a sense propels us into a new dimension. Well, that is in a sense what God does is what happens with this wave. When the wave, uh, anyone that's surfing knows when you're paddling under your own steam, there comes a moment when we catch the wave and all of a sudden we are propelled by the wave with a new momentum, a new power into a whole new dimension where we enjoy the experience and the exhilaration of riding that wave. We're not paddling anymore, we're being propelled by that. And I believe that's a powerful picture of what happens when we tithe. We bring the first tenth of all that comes into our lives. I've been doing that ever since I uh, was born again decades ago, and I know God's faithfulness, and I know that dimension in my life. I wanna encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, think about it, pray about it, but you can download this card, and I know it will transform those areas of your life and you'll know a supernatural dimension to your finances. So thank you for your faithfulness. Whatever it may be, take that next step and God will honor it. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you today for your grace and goodness. And today as we bring our donations, our tithes and our offerings, may you show yourself strong according to the promise of your word. And we thank you that you will open the windows of heaven in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, thank you for your generosity and faithfulness.
happy Sunday and a big happy birthday week to our Newport Church family. Saturday, July 15, 2006, we packed up and hopped on a Qantas flight on a one-way ticket as a family and came over here to start Newport Church. And the very next day, Sunday, July 16, we launched and what an amazing adventure it has been. Thank you for being part of our journey, whether you've been with us from the very beginning or you have joined us recently. We're just so thrilled about what God has done and we also know that God has got amazing plans for the future. You know, when I think about 14, I think about what it was like to be a 14 year old and it was a little bit awkward because mainly it was about identity issues. And you know, I'm older now and I know that my identity is in Christ and as a church, I'm so grateful that we know that our identity is in Christ. And even though things around us right now in this season can be awkward, we know that God has got us here. We are here at the right place. We are here in the right time. And by His grace, we are gonna do all the right things to keep building His kingdom. I just wanna thank you all for being part of this journey. I definitely wanna thank my kids because you know when we moved over here, they were 12, the boys were 12. Bella was just eight years old. You know, and my parents, they were 70. And now fast forward, Ben and Bo are 26, Bella, is 22 and my parents are turning 85 this year. I, I think about them and I think about um, what a privilege it is to be able to serve God, to be able to say, Father God, for your kingdom's sake, I will do anything I can to serve you. And I wanna share a scripture with you that um, was, was definitely part of our journey of being able to give up so much when we came over and God has blessed us mightily since then. Was it easy to leave family? Was it easy to leave um, friends and a really great life actually? No, it wasn't, but to be obedient to the call of God is so important. And I wanna to read to you from uh, Mark chapter 10 in my Amplified. Um, this is like so weathered. Um, this is what it says, verses 29 to 30. Jesus said, truly I tell you, there is no one who has given up and left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But I will say this, when we left Australia, the wonderful thing was we didn't lose our family, we didn't lose our friends. And we have gained family and we have gained friends and we have been very blessed. God is our provider. God is a promise keeper of His Word and God is our peace. So happy birthday, Newport Church. Thank you again for being on this journey and let's look forward to what God is going to do in this season and beyond. I love you, God bless you. Well, this morning I wanna start a new series. And uh, before I introduce the subject, I just have some thoughts that I wanna share. It's, it's hard to believe that we're already into the second half of 2020. It seems like Time has got distorted in the first half of the year with, uh, in one sense, feeling like time has been compressed, but in another sense that it's been expanded. And so here we are getting ready for the second half of 2020. And I've been thinking about the last six months and what the last six months have looked like. Obviously they've been unprecedented, unexpected. Um, no, one, no one thought that 2020 would would pan out the way that it has. And we've all had to navigate uncharted waters. We've all had to uh, walk through new territory experiences that we've never experienced before. And um, although uh, w often one year blends into another year as time goes by and it's hard to distinguish them, I think that 2020 is one of those years that none of us 
will will ever forget. Um, of course, with the uh, the worldwide pandemic of COVID nineteen, that has changed the landscape of our world completely in much the same way as 9-11 did. And um, the impact of what we're going through now is no doubt going to be felt for a long, long time and in a sense has changed everything uh, forever. Also this year, once again, the, the problem, the issue of racism has been highlighted against with tragic and, and, and senseless uh, deaths of African-Americans and has highlighted the issue of racism that all of us need to take responsibility for and do all that we can to be a part of bringing about lasting change in our community so that racism in all of its forms is, is eradicated. On top of that, there have been all sorts of, of riots and, and, and uh, reaction to what's taking place in, a, in, in our country, uh, not only in this country, but around the world and statues being torn down and, and uh, all sorts of events that have taken place that um, have radically impacted uh, the world. Um, and of course, this is an election year. And so it's a time for us uh, in, a, in a highly politicized environment as believers and and followers of Jesus to really look to God, to pray, to, to seek his face, to be a part of the lasting solution, because we know his kingdom and the increase of his kingdom is, is without end. And of the government, of his government, wherever God government governs, there's peace and there's blessing. And so our prayer is for our nation at this time, and I want to encourage our church to continue to pray and pray that in this next season that God will move in supernatural ways. Now, as I was thinking about all of these things, a phrase came to my mind. And that phrase was, you've never been this way before. And I think all of us could, could say, well, any year uh, or any season of our lives, we've never been that way before. But there are some moments in time, there are some times when that phrase is even more significant than at any other time. We've never been through a year like this before. And this next six months, again, uh, no doubt is going to bring many challenges with it. And, and we're going to have to navigate how we re-enter or, or enter into this next season, having learned lessons and having learned things that are going to help us as we move on into all that God has for us. And as I thought about that phrase, um, I, my mind went to the book of Joshua, where that phrase was spoken by Joshua when he said to God's people, um, we've never been this way before. And that was a significant time. It was a highly significant time because it was a time where the nation of Israel were coming out of 400 years of slavery. They'd miraculously and supernaturally been able to leave Egypt and they were now about to enter the promised land and everything was going to change. Um, they were going to be going from being slaves to becoming free people to now entering into the promised land and all of the changes that that brought. And in this series, as we move forward, I want to highlight some of those changes and talk about how they relate to us personally in our own lives. And so it was a highly significant moment. It was a very significant time. They had never been that way before. And I feel like there are lessons that we can learn from those experiences, from what took place between the Exodus and 40 years later, the entry into the, the promised land. And I love what the book of Corinthians says, Paul writes in the book of Corinthians, writing about those events that took place. This is what he says. He said, these things happened to them in that transitional period as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. In other words, if we're wise, we'll learn lessons from what took place in those 40 years 
and the significant events that help us navigate where we've never been before. And then in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, I love this in the message version, we read, these are all warning markers, danger, in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. I love that. Let's not be confident in our own ability or feel like there's no way that we can make mistakes in the way that they did. And I've learned in life there's two ways to learn. We can learn from our own mistakes or we can learn from other people's mistakes. And I know which way is most painful and I think we would all agree with that. I love what Winston Churchill said, who was a great historian and a study of, studier of history. He said, those who fail to study history are doomed to repeat its failures. So I pray that we can be a people that, that don't repeat the failures of those who went before us. It's interesting that the Bible is a book that is filled with all of the mistakes uh, that people made. And, and the, the Bible does nothing to hide those, does nothing to brush them under the carpet, but actually highlights them uh, in all of their detail and sometimes very ugly detail, highlights people's mistakes. And the reason that the Word of God does that is that the Bible is not a story about perfect people. It's a story about imperfect people who need God's grace, who need God's forgiveness, who need God to redeem us, rescue us, and bring us into a place of relationship with him. And so that's why the word of God is so encouraging and why we can identify with God's word so clearly, because we can all see ourselves with all of our faults and all of our failings within the pages of the Bible. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here in the book of uh, Corinthians. So let's go to this phrase that I highlighted before, and it's the title of my message, which is uh, going, or we've never been this way before. We've never been this way before. And this is what um, we read in Joshua chapter three. Now, just to recap, the, the context of this is the nation of Israel, the, the new generation of God's people uh, who had been born in the wilderness uh, we're about to go into the promised land. They're on the, uh, they're on the east side of the Jordan River and they're about to cross over. And, and jo Joshua is speaking to the people and, and, and encouraging them with these words as they're about to cross the Jordan River. He says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. So here they are on the east side of the Jordan River and Joshua gives them specific instructions. Um, he says, then you will know which way to go. In other words, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Keep your eyes on the place where God manifested his presence. Keep your eyes on the presence of God as you cross over into this new season, into taking possession of the promises of God. And that is the first key to their uh, possessing the promises of God that I wanna speak about today. And that is the, the value that they placed on the presence of God. 
valuing God's presence is the key to possessing his promises. And so here we are about to cross over. And in order for us to understand the importance that uh, the presence of God had on the success, on the blessing that the children of Israel experienced, it's important for us to go back quite some years to the scene at Mount Sinai, not long after the nation of Israel had uh, been delivered from Egypt, had crossed the Red Sea, and were now in the wilderness, and Moses was up on the mountain, and for 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, receiving the Ten Commandments. And um, just after he had received the Ten Commandments, and he'd come down from Mount Sinai, God, God said to him, now's the time for you to leave Sinai. Now's the time for you to leave and possess your inheritance. And so this is what we read, Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, that's Sinai, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Listen to this. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Um, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting and significant passage of Scripture because the story goes this way. Um, Moses has been up on the mountain uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, and the people at the base of the mountain, the Israelites are becoming restless as time goes by. And they're wondering to themselves, is Moses gonna come back? Uh, what's gonna happen? They, they become impatient in their waiting. It's so important that we understand that God's delays are not his denials. And that even though Moses was on the mountain, God's purpose hadn't changed. God's faithfulness had not shifted or moved. God, Moses was going to come down, but the people began to become impatient. And they, they told uh, Aaron, his brother, they said to him, make us a God that we can see with our own eyes that will go before us to Egypt, uh, go before us into the promised land. And so Moses gets all of their gold earrings and he, he, the word of God says that he fashioned it into a golden calf. And when he pulled, took out the golden calf, the people said, here's our God who brought us from Egypt. Here's our God that's gonna take us into the promised land. It's interesting how easily the people of God took their eyes off God and off their focus on his presence, his power, his provision, and all that he had done and they were willing to trade it for something less. In their impatience, uh, they were willing to trade God's glory, God's presence and power for this golden calf. They, and it nearly cost them everything um, because God said to Moses uh, when he came down, when Moses came down from the mountain and uh, he said to Aaron, what on earth did you do? And it's almost humorous when you read it in the story uh, of the, the account in the Bible. Uh, Aaron tries to absolve himself of responsibility. He says, well, the people asked me to, to, to create a God for them, to lead them into the promised land. And so I took their gold earrings from them. I threw it into the fire and out came this calf, as if the calf just kind of appeared out of nothing. And he tried to absolve himself of his responsibility. And God says to Moses, he said, I, I, that's enough. He said, I'm gonna destroy them and I'm gonna start all over again. And Moses intercedes on their behalf. He says, no, I don't destroy them. Uh, if you destroy them, the Egyptians and everyone who heard about all the miracles that you did to bring the nation of Israel 
out of Egypt are all gonna say, you just simply brought them out into the wilderness to destroy them. He said, it's gonna be bad for your reputation. And so God listened to Moses, but he said this, okay, I'm gonna relent of what I said I would do, but I will, I will go, I will, I will not destroy the nation of Israel, but I'm not gonna travel with them. I'm not gonna go with you to the promised land. My presence will not go with you. I'll send an angel, but my presence won't go with you. Why? Because you have not valued my presence. And uh, Moses, uh, in his response, says to God, uh, he says to God, uh, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't wanna leave this place. In other words, I value your presence more than anything else. I don't wanna leave this place without your presence. Um, and, and God relents again and says, okay, I will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses had said, if your presence doesn't go with us, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us from your, peop your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And God says to Moses, I will do the very thing you asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I wanna talk a little bit about that in a moment, what exactly God meant by that. But what Moses was saying was, I value your presence above everything else. And it was that that changed God's mind when it came to whether he was gonna go with the nation of Israel or not. And I wanna encourage you and I want us to encourage ourselves with this thought at this particular time, as we go where we've never been before, as we move into this next season, not knowing necessarily how to navigate this in the best possible way, we need to recognize from this story the power of what happened in Moses' relationship with God and the fact that he valued God's presence so highly was the key to the success of the next part of the history of the nation of Israel. Moses knew that there was no substitute for the presence of God. Now, when you look at this throughout the Bible, that we find that wherever the presence of God is, there's blessing, there's success, there's victory, there's peace, there's joy. And right from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the, uh, cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden, the presence of God was there and the blessing of God was there. We find that God appeared from time to time uh, in, a, in a manifestation, a, a manifestation of his presence to multiple people throughout the store, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, when Israel came out of Egypt, God went before them, his presence in a, in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Um, when God told the Israelites to build a tabernacle. God said, I will dwell between the wings of the cherubim. I will dwell uh, in the tabernacle and in the holy place of the tabernacle. And so uh, God's presence was supremely important wherever God's people were. And they would only know God's presence and we find this pattern throughout the Old Testament. The people of God only knew the fullness of God's power and presence when they placed the highest value on his presence. And it's that thought, it's that prevailing thought that I wanna leave with each and every one of us. How much do we value the presence of God? Because it is the key to the blessing that we experience in our lives. It's the key to knowing the, the victory that God wants us to have in the challenges and difficulties and trials and circumstances of life. And it's the key to seeing God's kingdom come and God's will be done because without his presence, we can't do 
anything at all. So um, we find the key to God's presence really in the in the verse where God says, I will do everything you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. What does that mean? I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now, the story of what took place at Mount Sinai is that Moses uh, would, would go to the, the uh, tent outside the camp and he would talk to God in the tent. And this is what we read in Exodus 33. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So every day, Moses would go to the tent and he would talk to God. And it says here, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. When God said, I'm pleased with you and I know you by name, it didn't mean that he just knew that Moses' name was Moses. It was because he knew him personally. Our name or our name in the Bible speaks of our character, of our personality, of who we are. And so, God was saying, I know you personally. I have a personal relationship with you. And that gives me great pleasure. And I want to encourage you today that it's our personal relationship with God that gives God great pleasure and that releases his presence into every circumstance and situation of our lives. And Moses would speak to God face to face as a friend every day. And that was the key to the blessing that he experienced. I think when we understand that, it changes everything for us. I wonder what God would say to Moses in those moments. I'm sure that much of the conversation was to do with God's purpose in bringing them into a place they'd never been before. I think as we prepare to move our lives forward in this next six months, as we talk to God, as we talk to him face to face, as we talk to him as a friend, I I feel that God will speak to us. So much of the fear or anxiety or worry about the unknown can be dispelled in those moments when we talk to God and when we experience his presence. Fear will rob us of joy. Fear will we'll, uh, pull away from underneath us the sure and certain ground of our faith. And, and yet in these moments that, that, that God was speaking with Moses, so much was happening in Moses that was preparing him for where they were going to go. And I want to encourage you, uh, let's, let's, let's make that a commitment in our own hearts that we're going to spend time with God face to face. When we value God's presence above everything else, we know that we can never fulfill our potential without God if we go on our own. Imagine if the nation of Israel had gone with that golden calf into into Canaan. They would have been utterly uh, defeated. Um, We can't go in our own strength. Whatever we form, whatever we fashion, just like that golden calf was fashioned, whatever we fashion, whether it's... uh, in our own intellect or whether it's in whatever uh, we might lean on to help us through difficult times, it will never be enough. We need the presence of God more than, any, more than, more than at any other time. And so uh, we'll never fulfill our potential. We'll never fulfill our purpose. We'll never know God's power if we try to do it on our own. And we need to know that his provision and his power and his presence will all come as we value his presence and we place him absolutely at the very center of our lives. Um, God told the nation of Israel, he said, when you get into the land and when you inherit fields that you didn't plow, when you 
um, inherit wells that you didn't dig, when you inherit houses that you didn't build, when you reap a harvest from, from uh, trees that you didn't plant, don't forget that it was the Lord your God who brought you into the land. Well, why did God say that? He said that because he knew that they would forget, because he knew that human nature, the, the natural tendency of us as fallen human beings is that when we're in a difficult position, we cry out to God. I heard someone say once that there are no atheists in foxholes because when we are under that kind of pressure, all of us, our natural response and inclination is to cry out to God for his presence, his protection, his power. But when we come into a place of abundance, when we come into a place when everything is going well, uh, it's so easy to forget God. And rather than being dependent upon God, we start to become independent and disconnected from God. And we lose the value that we place on the presence of God that is so vitally important for the blessing of God to come in our lives. And we saw the nation of Israel do that over and over again. So as I conclude this message, three quick thoughts that I want to share with you, the ABC of knowing God's presence. A, value God's presence above everything else. B, value taking time to talk to God as a friend. The name, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be with us, to walk with us, to talk with us. Jesus said that the Father, our Heavenly Father, would send the Comforter, who would be our friend, who would guide us into all truth, who would take us by the hand and guide us into all truth. Let's value taking time to talk to God as a friend in these coming days. And then C, value the power of unity. God's presence is experienced in an environment of unity. If you go back to the story about Moses in the wilderness, the people were complaining, they were grumbling, they were complaining about God, they were maligning God, they were grumbling and complaining about the leadership. And in that environment of grumbling and complaining and disunity, God says, I want to, I want to destroy you. And then when, even when he relented, he said, okay, I'm not going to destroy you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be around you in your disunity. And so it reminds us of the power of unity. And we find throughout the Bible that wherever God's people were disunified, there was a loss and a lack of the sense of God's presence. Last verse in the book of Judges says, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. A few verses later it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Why? There was no presence of God because everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And it was not long after that that the ark, the place where God presenced himself, was captured by the Philistines and taken into captivity. And the presence of God was removed from the nation of Israel. Why? Because of their disunity. God wants us to know unity in every aspect and area of our lives. So wherever there was disunity, God withdrew himself. And so Moses, again, focused the people on God, on, his, on their purpose as a people. And, and we find that wherever there was unity, there was blessing. Wherever there was disunity, there was no blessing. God withdrew his presence. God is attracted to unity. If we wanna know God's presence, it's so important that we know unity uh, in our relationship, with each other. And this is what the Bible says here uh, in Psalm 133, verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. 
And the King James Version says, there the Lord commands the blessing. God commands blessing where there's unity. His presence is experienced in greater measure when there is great unity. And we see that in the early church in Acts chapter two, because of their great unity, they experience an, an, an incredible sense of God's presence in every aspect and area of their lives. We can know that presence in our lives if we know that kind of unity. This is what Ephesians 4 says, verse three, just to conclude. As a prisoner of the Lord then, this is Paul speaking from jail to the Ephesians. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In other words, Paul's saying, do everything you can to keep unity and focus on what we have in common. Focus on the one hope that we have. Focus on our one Lord. Focus on our one faith. Focus on the one baptism. Focus on our one Father who is over all and in all as we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we're going to experience success going where we've never been before, then we're need, going to need to value God's presence, value taking time to talk to God as our friend, as Moses did, and value the power of unity that Moses sought to bring to God's people so they could enter into the promised land and their inheritance. I pray that might be our reality as we value God's presence above all else as we go into this season that we've never been in before, knowing with confidence and faith, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. I'd love to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your amazing love and grace. And we thank you above all that, you, that you're a God who, who longs and desires to, to walk with us, to talk with us, for us to know your presence. And I pray that as we go into these coming weeks and coming months, that we would know your presence in a powerful and tangible way as we take time to draw aside to be with you as we place the highest value on your presence. And I pray, Lord, that your word would take root in our hearts. May we be, may we be focused on you and your kingdom in these days. And may we be unified as a body of believers, as a church community and family on seeing your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you are watching today or you've been a part of our service today and you've never ever made a conscious decision to accept Jesus as your savior, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you've never opened up your heart to receive Jesus into your heart and your life, we wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And you don't have to do anything other than simply do what Jesus said and the word of God says, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so we wanna give you that opportunity today. You don't have to earn God's approval. Jesus did everything for you and me on the cross. He died in our place, took the guilt and penalty of our sin upon himself so we could be pardoned, we could be exonerated, we could be free from anything that would hinder us from having access to God's presence and knowing the love of our Heavenly Father. So I wanna encourage you, if you wanna do that today, it's the greatest prayer anyone could pray, pray it with me. And I know that God will do something powerful in your heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to give me a brand new start and I open up my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that as I receive you, I am being born again. 
I am a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. And from this day on, I will never be the same again. I thank you today for your great love. And I'm excited about all the future holds as I follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so thrilled that you did that. It's the greatest prayer that anybody could pray. And I know that God is going to show himself strong. You're going to feel his peace, his presence, his love, his power, and a sense of newfound purpose. And on the screens are a number of ways you can connect with us. Make sure you contact us. We'd love to connect with you and do everything we can to help you to take your ne the next step in your Christian walk. We're here for you. We love and appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you could be with us. Um, we look forward to uh, next weekend when we can connect. And of course, we have all sorts of different ways that we can connect during the week. Don't forget our Food with Love ministry goes out every Friday. You're very welcome to join us. It's making a difference in our community. And we're so thankful for that. And on Tuesdays, we have life groups. We have informal gatherings where people can gathering of course practicing social distancing and all of the protocols but in ways that we can connect in meaningful environments and we so want to do everything we can to help you to feel a part of our church community and and really make the most of this season we love you we appreciate you we're so thankful for you and i pray that the lord would bless you I pray that the Lord would keep you, that he would make his face to shine upon you, that he would be gracious unto you now and evermore. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. God bless you.